right. Who who'd you say that cat was? That's Chris Canterbury. And uh, you say Texas, Louisiana area? Somewhere, yeah. I, I honestly, I have since I I heard that first song, I've been on this crazy little journey listening to this guy's stuff. Uh huh. And he is so impressive, dude. Yeah, I, what we've probably heard seven or eight of his songs this evening, at least. And, and, and I haven't even played you. And everything, <laughs> everything passes the sniff test, man. It's just oh, good stuff. Yeah, yeah. The 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 guitar song, um, the Sears and Roebuck Silvertone. That's that that's story. A, that's a cool song. Oh wow, that's impressive. Yeah, I mean this guy. I like the one uh, that he was just singing about the the sun don't shine on a on a broken man. On a broken man. Yeah, yeah, robbing a liquor store. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's country, like fringe country. That's as you know. That is as country as it gets. I mean, that's that's what Willie and Whale and all those guys. That's that image they were trying to portray. Yeah. Really? You know? I mean, think about it. They wanted to be right there on the edge. You know, Willie. Look, look at the. Well, I, we can't go down there rabbit hole. I mean, oh, we can. No, no not tonight. <laughs> I mean, if we're going to talk about Willie Nelson, then that's oh, that's a frighteningly long conversation. Hey, I'm willing to have it. But uh, <laughs> uh, welcome you, boys and girls, to Porch Talk. This is your host, Alan. It's going to be a cool episode. I met this fella in Bentonia, Mississippi, at the Blue Front Cafe for a uh, Blue Front uh, festival. And man, the more I get to know him and get to hanging out, the guy has got quite the taste for music that's not always involved in. I've got Matt Messer here with me. How you doing, Matt? I'm good, man. What are you doing? Man, we over here trying to make a record. Well, you know. Trying to get some of these stories you got down. Oh, my goodness, man. I wouldn't know where to start. <laughs> well, let's start with, uh, where are you from? Uh, I'm born in Michigan. Uh, I was five, I think. Four or five. Yeah, Four. I would have been four. My parents had been divorced probably a year. We moved to Alabama, Montgomery area. I spent about, um, I guess I was in the fifth grade, moved from there to North Alabama where my my stepfather Mm -hmm. um, uh, wound up. That was where his family was from. And spent the rest of my, you know, teen years and adulting early adulting years there you know when i wasn't in school so what was life like there at that time what did you do for fun oh for fun um let's see uh well we had cbs in our cars (laughs) (laughs) and um boy there's a couple of those stories that would be pretty incriminating to tell the, (laughs) the players if any of those guys hear it they'll know (laughs) <laughs> they'll they'll know the stories that yeah I can't go I can't go too off <laughs> yeah we can't go down that path but but there's some fun ones there um, that's not you don't want those stories what about as far as like uh, sports was you into sports during that time oh yeah played anything oh yeah loved golf man loved golf um, 
uh, football, love to play football, baseball, all of, you know, basically all of it. I and mean, we did all did the same things growing up, you know. I mean, that was just what you did if you were, you know, a youth and, you know, rural south Mississippi or Alabama or mm-hmm. Georgia, Tennessee. I mean, that's yep. that's what we did. It's one thing that just remains the same, too. It, you know, it's a pretty constant thing. You know, my, my dad used to say... Uh, uh, the area where he's from in North Alabama is a little area called Caddo, Alabama. Um, and Caddo had like the longest, richest history in that area of winning at any kind of sporting event, football, baseball. Uh, the men played softball as they got older. The old men in the community that were farmers and 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 blacksmiths and and did that kind of work they still played sports mm-hmm. cumulatively together through their adulthood i mean it, it's an incredible place and it's still like that that's the way my hometown was i mean as soon as you was old enough to put a glove on your hand and grab the bat oh you know you was playing with the same guys for 13 years you know oh absolutely and and i grew up with some guys that were some just fantastic athletes you know and and there's a a million stories you know i mean if i'm gonna name names in any of these you know um these guys wouldn't care but uh we had this cat named uh, Tory Clay, and uh, he's in Georgia now. He's a great guy, but um, he was a shorter stature guy, but he had the biggest legs I've ever seen on a human being, and he was like all muscle. It's like tree trunks, huh? And he, man, when he could run and he could be so low to the ground, that like you, you you just couldn't make out how fast his legs were moving, right? Mm-hmm. And and it it they would have to like pile themselves up too high on the ground, laying flat on top of each other to slow him down. Mm. I mean, he he, he 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 was incredible, you know. To this day, I mean, I see running backs. I've never seen anything like it in my life, you mm. know. I mean they. He, you just take the best qualities that like people like Walter Payton and Herschel Walker and Bo Jackson, those kind of caliber people. Mm-hmm. Hall of Famers. Yeah, like little nuances that they were famous for. Like this kid could pull off, and we were kids. Yeah, that's kids. Pretty, that's pretty nuts. Yeah. What about anyway. like uh, when you was leaving high school, what was you into? Like, what what uh what job um, path would you get into? Go to college for a while? Yes, I did college. Did you have a plan or? Uh, reckless plan, very very reckless. Um, mostly went awry. Um, I was real lucky to. Was uh, it? Uh, I've recently heard it put this way, and I've got to agree with it. Was it uh, was it like a four year plan of uh, uh. Was it gratifying alcoholism? Uh, it, it was more <laughs> like a four-year plan about a six-year demise <clears throat> that started with green grass and ended up in a parking lot. There you go. That's the that's the most polite way I could describe it. And uh, 
there was a lot of fun and mischief along the way. Um, Where would you go to college? Uh, I went to Troy. And uh, from Troy, I left and uh, took a little break, wound up at uh, Auburn for a stint, and uh, did not finish there. Um, left, went back north, went to school at Athens, um, then went to a community college and bounced around and did a bunch of stuff and then wound up finally finishing. Um, and I'm not sure how many places I actually did finish from when I got it all put together. But I wound up with like two degrees. None of them are useful. Yeah. Anyway, and they're kind of boring. <laughs> That's pretty wild. Mm. Bouncing around. I, I went to community college and uh, finished up quick. I didn't take the summers off, so I got done with that in like a year and a half, and then I went and worked in that field for like two years and was just completely dissatisfied. You, you did something in agriculture or something. I was industrial electronics. Ah, oh, that's and, right. That's right. And I wound up at a, a shop, you know, winding motors and uh, working on electric motor drives and uh, programming, and it was, it was enjoyable for a while, and I don't know. I felt like I got it too easy or something. This like crap didn't feel right to me. And really, I had gotten back involved in church and then uh, was going on mission trips. And I went back to school, went down to the University of Mobile, did that thing for a while. That's right. And then that's like uh, intercultural studies, which sounds incredibly useless, but uh, it turned out to be uh, a really good degree for this show. It's all about culture and like. You take some sociology and some psychology, and you learn how to read oh, people. Yeah. And you kind of cram it all together. Yeah, you know what you get's a really good understanding of of the the human being, right? I yeah. mean, if you really break it down to like physical traits and things that that the human body does that tell a story that may or may not be the story that the person is telling. Yeah. Right, I mean, like uh, macro and micro expressions in the face. And I mean, there's books about this stuff and TV shows even, you know. And it's it's incredibly telling when you start paying really close attention to people's mannerisms and their behaviors, mm -hmm. you know. Hell, it's kind of unfair. I, I, I mean, for... for someone who is is essentially trying to deceive or be deceptive and maybe not even in a bad way right I mean, mm -hmm. but when you watch the way that they behave and the things they do with their eyes and, you know it tells you a lot about people mm -hmm. and what you what you studied i mean when you mash all that together i mean when you meet somebody you either know there's some chemistry there or not yeah I mean, you've walked into a room and you saw somebody and you're like, man, I got nothing in common with that person. Let's see how this goes. Yeah. I mean, and just if you go into it with an open mind and you watch that person, you, you can just learn so much about them just by watching. I'd say like uh, it was one of the handiest tools to have when I was interviewing Jimmy Duck. Like, 
I mean, that was still during COVID, so he had a mask on. And so, like, Ooh. I had to pay a whole lot of attention to his eyes, you know, because I knew he had done some interviews, and I wanted to try to hold him for 15, 20 minutes. And that, I, knew that would yeah. be, I knew that would be a long interview. That's a challenge. And I got, I got 15 out of him, so I was very, very happy about yeah. that. Yeah, you know, and the problem, I think, sometimes, because I've seen some people, like, try to even talk to Duck mm-hmm. that, and this is not, this is not a terrible thing, but he has a, it's a this, this dialect that you either understand it or you don't, mm-hmm. right? And it doesn't matter how fast or how slow he talks. It's you, you either understand him or you don't. I mean, he, he, and I think sometimes when people are asking him a question, and he answers, and they they don't understand, and they, it's almost like they ask again to try and get him to clarify. Mm-hmm. And about the second time they do that, he gets frustrated. And, and it's not, he's not being ugly. He just doesn't see why they don't understand it. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I can definitely see that. He's, he's one of the most incredible people I've ever had the opportunity to be around. I mean, it's been, it's been probably, I would say, I'm going to put it in the top five or six things that I've experienced in Mississippi. It's definitely top five event to to just actually sit and have a conversation with him uninhibited. Right? Like, mm-hmm. I'm not there for anything. I'm not asking for anything. You know what? I have his autograph, but I bought it from him. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I bought it. He, they raffled this off. The um, Christmas, the single. Oh, right? yeah. Yeah, yeah. They, Gilbert could tell you the exact number. I understand it to be like less than 20 or something of these things that were ever made. And um, I could be mistaken about that. But I believe that to be the truth. I, I don't know. Anyway, they had some raffle, and it was highest bidder or something. And I just said, you know, whatever it takes. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I don't want to get into what it costs. doesn't matter. Right. But that's the only thing I have of his that's ever been autographed. Yeah. I've got everything else, the whole body of work. I've never asked him for an autograph. I've never asked him. I just like just to be in the guy's presence, right? And I learned that, sadly from a guy named Paul Morris, who by a terrible way of circumstance, I wound up being at T-Model Ford's house like a week, maybe two weeks before he died. And it was an incredible experience. But Paul and him were such good friends that on a bunch of different levels, but I don't know if Paul needed to see him or he needed to see Paul, but it was evident when we got there that he didn't have long. Yeah, and um, I told Paul go ahead, and he's like, "No, I, I want to introduce you to him." And you know, I might not get another chance. And I thought, "Wow, who would share that experience?" Yeah. You know, but that's when I really appreciated the fact that those artists, those guys. Like Bilbo Walker, 
you know, what an incredible guy. Yeah. Um, I mean, I can go on and on, and we can talk about the same same artists, you know, for hours. But how did uh, how did you get introduced to Bentonia? Bentonia, I I got into um, by way of Clarksdale. Oddly, um, something happened. Somebody was going to be playing, and I wanted to go, and. Um, I was not a blues artist that I went to hear. I was very aware of the blues and I understood the connection in Clarksdale, but I did not realize at what scale mm-hmm. this had grown back to. And, and I'm going back to like uh, early um, 2010s, you know, 10, 11, 12, 13, right in there. Um, they had this resurgence of people, man. and. I'm there, and there's artists. Duck was there. And um, I saw him play, and I thought, wow. <laughs> this cat, you can go hear him play. Mm-hmm. And where? Okay, so I'm, he had somebody with him, handler, whatever, you know. And, and that when I say handler, I say that with, like, the greatest terms of endearment. Mm-hmm. Because having the opportunity to travel and do a few things with some of these guys like yeah. helping them take care of their stuff is that's like that should be a full time job yeah and those guys you know have never made the kind of money where they could afford to do that sadly yep and and, and you know that it's that's as terrible as that is I I can't I can't pay them what they're worth, but I can absorb every bit of their energy that they're giving off and go see them play and support them as much as I possibly can. Yeah, shout out to uh, Gilbert. He is the reason that I've found out about the Blue Front Cafe. Really? I had interviewed Philip Sable for the podcast. Okay. And uh, Philip. Philip was telling me about the Blue Front Cafe and about Jimmy Duck, but like. I had heard that name, but it really didn't mean anything to didn't me. Didn't resonate with you. Yeah. And uh, I just get on online and I see that the Blue Front Cafe shared the episode I did with Philip. I was like, Cool. The Otis historic <laughs> Blue Front Cafe uh, yeah. just, I mean, <laughs> just if shared you, if you my get podcast. To, like, the technical, how <laughs> would you joint, say right? It's a juke joint, right? Um, his parents, God, it's old, man. Mm-hmm. And apparently they've never, it's never not been an operation for yeah. as long as anybody can remember. I mean, and as, as Doug said, I mean, it's like a, it's community center. It's like where people go for information. Yeah. It's, it's where people go for entertainment. It's where you, where you go buy some bare necessities I mean if you look at it and it's most it's like a little basic town hall. form right I mean you, there's a porch you come in out of the rain right mm-hmm. you walk in there's a counter you know you would have had a stool or two for a person to sit and eat you know and then there's a couple of tables along one side and there's that window that goes into that kitchen and then that you know goes mm-hmm. back so I mean at some point 
and its beginnings, it probably really was a cafe. Like, how many cafes could there have been? Right. I mean, we see what's left of Bentonia now, right? Yeah, it's like and, a, it's, I, I describe it like to people who's never been. It's like it's just a place where time forgot. Yeah, and there's... Until you get out to the major road, and then boom, you get like a Dollar General. But like inside Bentonia, you, it's, it's pretty it's, bare. It's pretty haunting to me for, for, well, for two reasons. The town that I wound up growing up in as a teenager is called Hillsboro, Alabama. Mm-hmm. And Hillsboro, Alabama, if you wanted to look it up on Google Earth, I'm sure you could go back in time far enough basically looked like that part of Bentonia right there that faces the railroad track. It could be the exact same town with the exact same remnants of buildings. And there was one like right on the main crossroad that um, the family, it had been out of business. Like I can remember being in high school and you could go in there in the mornings and like get a soda pop or something you mm-hmm. know or a, a maybe some candy but then I don't ever remember it being open in like late in the afternoon and that was the last business and then there was a uh, when basically all those buildings were torn down I mean they're all they're all gone all but gone you know um, there's some remnants of a few, and when I say it's like foundations and some bricks, that's yeah. it. You know, same thing. There's a cotton gin, cotton gin moved out to the highway and built a bigger cotton gin. Mm-hmm. And so the old cotton gins, it's exactly in the condition you would imagine if you've never been to Bentonia and seen that cotton gin right next to the cafe. Yeah. So like. When I went to Bentonia the first time, it was cold, dude. It was so cold. Was it down there for the Christmas party? We were there for, it might have been New Year's. I can't remember. But it was like the very first opportunity that we had to get there. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, we had things planned in our little adventure, you know, chasing the blues. We got live no, I ain't live. Oh, <laughs> Take a break. Sure. You want to fish with that? I'm going to fish with
say probably not but wound up being Leno's wife and um, man she's a fantastic person these are great people but that was kind of the deal we'll we'll just ride over there and listen to some music and then we'll turn around and and um, you know we'll drive back it's just from Philadelphia to Bentonia right right you know, I mean, I would never want to condone any anything illegal by any means whatsoever. But drinks were had and oh, yeah. decisions were I, made. I, yeah, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not sure how the return trip for others went that night. But I can remember we were all in one car and. Um, The the conversation going going home that night probably was uh, one of the biggest factors in in me staying in Mississippi. You know, I mean, I was kind of at that point where I was kind of ready to just go. You know, I mean, I was I was real excited about the blues, and I was. I how did you? Uh, I mean, I guess we skipped in the timeline, but like, how did you end up in Mississippi? He was an Alabama boy. Alabama. Um, Worked for an organization out of Arkansas that uh, owned some stores in Tennessee and then North Alabama and uh, got frustrated. And a friend of mine that's also in the car business, but in Mississippi, he's a a rep. He does uh, like, uh, we call them ancillary products. Like when the guy that handles your gap insurance claims or your extended warranty claims, that kind of, and this guy. He he's how I got to Mississippi. He called me and he said, um, "You know what's going on? I'm man, I'm frustrated. Just real disgruntled. I mean, I loved my job, what I did, but I, I was I was working like seven days a week, dude, like fourteen, fifteen, sixteen hours a day. Yeah, that can get frustrating. I mean, you ain't got no time for yourself. You're making all this money, you ain't got time to go uh, spend it. Uh, on oddly." <laughs> On top of the the drive, man, I was doing a tremendous amount of driving. It was an hour and like 20 minutes one way. Anyway, long story short, 
my life had changed a little bit. I'd, I'd just recently become divorced and, you know, it, that that's a whole story. We, we will never go down that. I would never want anybody to hear that. Um, but, uh, this door opened up. He said, man, I got this dealer down here. He's a great guy, but he's got, he just needs some help, you know, come and spend a day or two and, and just see what you think. And I came and, and, uh, I met this family. They're, they're really, they're like almost historical in the Shelby County, like this family. They've been around a long time, you know, um, his family was in the grocery business before he was ever in the car business. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, really neat bunch of people. His name's Ted. His wife's name was Lynn. Um, Someone's son. His name is Gabe. They're all they're all great people, you know. And I have nothing but love for all of, all of them because they all in their own little weird way showed me some little nuance or cool thing about Mississippi, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, uh, I would never trample on that. Um, but, uh, that's how I came. I mean, I literally came packed to stay like three days and I wound up staying like three months and I never went back. Mm. And, um, you know, as I look back on the whole thing and think about crazy things that I've done, that's probably one of the more idiotic things that I've ever done in my entire life. But I was so frustrated at a point in my life where I just needed some change. And, and that part of Mississippi is rural and it reminds me a lot of home where I'm from and, um, and know anybody. Be who you want to be. You know, but more importantly, I didn't, I, I, I no longer had to be who everybody thought that I was with my, my wife mm-hmm. and I, you know, and that, that, you know, our relationship with other people in our, you know, hometown and community. Um, and it, you know, there's how many songs have been written about this town ain't big enough. Right. Well, in a way it wasn't. You know, I mean, yeah, those lyrics turn out to be true. <laughs> sadly, um, and and you know what, I was from the kind of the outlying community, and she was from that town, and it was her town. Yeah, you know, for whatever wrong we did to each other, that's water under the bridge. But the reality is, I gave her a town back. You know, and I got lots of friends there, and and they're all cool people. But I kind of felt the same way about mine, the town thing, like that. You gave her the town back too. Yeah, her town was like Mobile, though, right? Well, it was a uh, more well Mobile. I mean, you did get visitation, <laughs> right? I mean, tell I mean, me you, you got, got visitation. You got, you got to go down there to see Abe, right? Uh, yeah, <laughs> come on. Yeah, yeah, but uh, I do understand that concept. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's it's crazy to think about it like that. But, but I mean, it, it, that's the way it is. It's just everybody picks a side, and you already know what side of the line they're gonna be on. You know, the fun part is, is uh, I have a great life. Let me say that. And all of those things that happened in the past had to happen, you know, for us to get to this one point. In our yeah, life. dude, no kidding, man. You know, I mean, how does how does that happen? 
I mean, you know, just to finish that little tale I was telling earlier about like the blue front sharing the the podcast, and then next thing I know, I was in contact with uh, Gilbert Val, who would be a, just a catalyst that totally changed the direction of like oh. my life. You know, like he is he has introduced me to uh, so many people and uh, invited me out to the uh, Shelby County Fair to hang out at his cabin. And oh yeah, I, I mean know. I've had an absolute Look, blast. With is that, that fella. the not the single most hospitable family? Oh, I'm telling you, man, that you've ever been around. I yeah. mean, like I, I, I've had the opportunity to know and meet some really cool and interesting people, and and. Um, Gilbert and his family, his dad, Carl. I don't know if you've ever got think, to meet his dad. I think I met his dad um, at the county fair that night. I, I I'm sure at some point. Yeah. You know, and that's a funny thing is to be totally honest with you, as many times as I've been to Gilbert and his cabin, I don't know that I've ever seen Gilbert's dad at the fair. I know that some families and if we're going to get into the fair phenomenon that's funny because neither of us are from here right right so we can we can and, and truly then, give it an objective opinion and yeah and first time like having it absolutely made like really not showing up as a guest but like as a guest of honor for someone who you know who has a cabin you know oh dude and look it's incredible when when those families when when they invite you into their cabin that's a big deal Oh yeah, absolutely. Like it's it ca- hard to explain. It kind of reminds me, like just folks listening from home, like going to Pickensville or the Tom Bigby, and some people have uh, cabins out there. Yeah. it's kind of that same thing to be invited yeah. out on the on the River House. Yeah, the, it, it, it's like a privilege. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, and what a privilege because um, everybody goes to the fair and then they drink and. And there's music and all, all, all of the great things, right? Yeah. But then, but and then, if you go into the fair and you and if you, you leave, get the, the Nish- if you get the drinking, you're gonna see blue lights. Oh, if you if you leave the Neshoba County Fair, you probably go in jail. Drink. You you will go to jail. I remember that was the advice you gave me that yeah, night. You saw me. He's like, buddy, if you got somewhere you can stay, do it. Yeah. Do not leave there yeah. ever. No, not at night. Not at not after you've been drinking. How. However little. And I took that straight to heart because I sure was planning on like stopping drinking right then and driving. And like you told me that. No, and I was like, brother. Gilbert, I will take you up on that. <laughs> yes. I mean, if it's a couch, a hook, whatever, <laughs> uh, you know, if they got to hang you on the side of the, the cabin, you stay. Mm-hmm. If they say you can sleep underneath, whatever, you stay there. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've heeded that advice and I've been very fortunate. But I have seen countless people live there, and and um, it's never good. You know, I mean, well, I mean, it's you getting the whole ethical thing about. It. I mean, just drinking and driving. In what general was, was what was some bad. of your what was some of your first impressions on the ferry? Because like, the only thing I knew about Philadelphia when I was growing up, teenager, was uh, the water park. We had, I think, really? we, I think we had gone there twice, and you know, the casinos right by the water park. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I had never, I never heard about the Neshoba County Fair until I started working in Starkville, and there was a lot of people, you know, uh, that I worked with that they would go to the county fair, and I was like, I've never heard of that, That's and they a, was like, it's a really big deal, dude. Well, how about this? Before I moved here, I had a high school friend who lived in Neshoba County, and um, 
um, lived actually out on right off uh, Bounds Avenue, and um, he worked for the tribe. He he did like GIS work, and so I had been to Philadelphia mm-hmm. before I came that that first for that first visit that I didn't leave from you know for work, but um, uh, it the timing was bad, but uh, there was a major trial going on in town that weekend. I had, we had no idea, Not, knew nothing about it. And um, as we go through town, if anybody, if you know anything about Philadelphia, they detoured us around downtown because like literally they were like major cable network kind of trucks, satellite trucks all over the place. It was insane. We came, stayed the weekend, drove through town, saw that I didn't think anything about it mm-hmm. and several years later I wound up back in that same town but I don't even remember what the hell we were talking about but I, I tell you this talking about first first impressions on the fair and how you found out about it when they told me the family that I worked for they said okay look we want you to stay at the fair cabin with us right and uh-huh. I said um what do you mean stay? And they're like, yeah, you know, we we have a cabin at the fair. Yeah. And I'm like, what, what in the world would you need a cabin for? You know, like I had no idea. Oh, me neither. And, and um, they said, uh, well, we'll just get Gabe to take you out there and show you. And so one afternoon, Gabe and I, we take an afternoon drive from the store and we ride out to the fairgrounds. And now keep in mind, this is before anybody moves in, mm-hmm. right? Before any of the campers are there, before any of the midways there, just the cabins, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to pass and see this vehicle, man. And this, this guy that I've known for just a couple of months is driving me around. And I'm looking at these like, insane houses mm-hmm. like that's what they they're houses and he's explaining to me that uh, they own the house but not the property and, and there's hundreds of them right and I thought well who well who would do that you know like he said but now look each one of these houses like some of them will sleep a dozen people some of them will sleep 30 people some more than that I'm like there is no way that 30 human beings are going to sleep in that house oh yeah shall we get over there and they opens the cabin up and walks me in and shows it to me and I'm like blown away upstairs is nothing but beds I'm like (laughs) it's one bedroom there's 18 beds and bunks how does this work right and they're like well there's a community bathroom right here there's one on the third floor. Um, the the third, what? Third floor? <laughs> oh, yeah. Come on up. Now, on each floor, and they had a really nice cabin. There were porches on either end, mm-hmm. right? And um, so porches are a big deal, right? The more porches you got, the more space people can be outside and watch everybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had kind of gotten excited about it. I still wasn't real sure about that sleeping in a communal room like some kind of hostel like when yeah like when you uh when you see those uh, uh b prison movies and they've got all the the bunk beds stacked up in a big room in a warehouse or something mm-hmm. imagine that only on a smaller scale 
Yeah, it, and, and, it is and, just. And they're like queen beds. Yeah. Like, like not singles. They're like families will sleep, you know, like a husband and wife or sleep here and another set here. And some, some cabins, they have them, the bunk beds are literally like three tall. Mm-hmm. Like one's on the floor, one's in the middle, and one's above it. And, and like, you start counting, like when people are nice enough and invite you in and want to show you their cabin and, and be hospitable. When you get, you look, you're like, good night. There's a lot of people that can stay here. Mm-hmm. And some of them are smaller, you know, I yeah. mean, but, but it is incredible. They're, yeah. They're all 100% unique and not one is the same. I'm telling no, there are no, not. I've never seen two that are the same. Um, some, you know, people would say if that was sitting out in the field by itself, they would just tear it down, mm-hmm. right? I mean, there's there's something, and not not like. I mean, I, I I guess they serve the purpose, right? But I mean, they just that's what they built, and that's what it is, mm-hmm. and and they've not updated it or or modernized it in any way, and some of them probably fifty or sixty years. I wouldn't doubt it. You know, and then they got the whole Founder Square. You know about that? Mm-mm. Oh yeah, like um. Oh, there's all kind of lore about this, but uh, the original cabins that are around the the square where the pavilion, oh yeah, that, what they call Founder Square, those families that have those apparently those were the original families, and I guess some of them maybe have been bought and sold. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, could have went to the in-law or something. It's, yeah, you know, divorces, whatever. It's the South, you know. There's the occasional murder. Yeah, um, no doubt. But those families were the original families that started it. When it was like, you know, we all gonna come from different parts of the county. We might as well just stay, and you know that it turned into they just built little places to have their families, and they would stay for a night or two or whatever, and then it just grew to what it is. And I mean, before me and you do about it, long before National Geographic had been here and documented it. Netflix was there this past time really they're gonna have a documentary coming out and i wonder what light they'll paint it in because it does have a a history for outsiders you know? oh yeah you know i mean there's tons of tons of stories and and that's the let you in on something you know like every community's got their own little thing right mm-hmm. but sometimes people people find themselves there in the Shelby county for whatever reason you know, Philadelphia and Neshoba County, Choctaw, out there, whatever, you know. He never had a bad time out there, by the way. No, <laughs> no. But, like, sometimes, this, you might want to cut this out, but this is a fun story. Um, I'm probably going to leave it. <laughs> so, so I met this lady one night, um, um, I don't know. I, hell, I might have still been living at the casino. I don't remember. But uh, this lady's sitting at the bar. She's drinking a glass of wine. And and um, I hear her on the phone. And she's talking to somebody wherever she's from, like up on the East Coast, you know. <coughs> and she's down there. She's like a textbook salesperson. Mm-hmm. And um, she says, uh, she says, yeah, I'm here in uh, Choctaw, Mississippi. And um, 
somebody on the other end, you know, whoever she's talking to, she says, do what? What do you mean? Yeah. No way. And so all I'm hearing is her side of the conversation. Mm. But I know she's sitting an arm length away from me. I know exactly the conversation she's having. Somebody is going, you are where in Mississippi? Choctaw. And they're like probably Googling it, right? Mm -hmm. And they realize that Choctaw and Philadelphia are basically the same. Yeah. And, and then they start explaining whoever she's on the phone with is telling them this checkered past and history of Philadelphia, Mississippi, right? I mean, mm -hmm. it's famous for all the wrong things. Yeah. It yeah. just is, yeah. right? That's all you can say about it. But this lady is like freaking out, right? And she's like, oh my gosh, I got to pay my bill. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to check out and get out of here, right? And you're sitting there listening to it, and the bartender's standing there doing his thing, right? Polishing yeah. the glasses and, you know, pouring the occasional drink. And he's listening to this too, because it's not an uncommon thing to overhear. Right. It's really a strange phenomenon. But anyway, when she gets off the phone, she immediately asks for her check. And. Mm. and this guy that's the bartender, I'm still friends with him. He's a great guy. He um he says, uh he says, ma'am, there's no need to be in a rush. And she says, Oh my gosh, do you know where we are? And he says, Yes, ma'am, I do. I know I know exactly where we are. I know everything that you just heard. As a matter of fact, where we're sitting right now is less than two miles as the crow flies from you know this one particular place and nothing bad's happened here in a long time and you don't need to fear these people mm -hmm. and and um it was amazing to see how he handled it and i had you know you wonder yourself how many times does a guy like that hear that in a in a day or a week you know and it's like you almost felt for those people because they had to defend their community for so long. And I, when, and I say they, I'm telling you both sides. Yeah, absolutely. Both sides of it. I think know. about like that as a whole from Mississippi and as a, even in the South. Anytime like someone is coming maybe, you know, Northeast, Midwest, and specifically if they're coming to some of these parts of Mississippi – it's almost like you need to go ahead and go ahead and open up and explain like this, the way things were are not the way things are. It, it needs its own like special disclaimer. It really does. Yeah. I, I, time and time again, and like with people having to defend things, of I think about like just with T Model or Jimmy Duck. Like when these guys are gone, who's going to tell their stories? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and there's some there's some fantastic people out there documenting some some really cool things that they do, right? But I can tell you that since well, since T like T model when T model died, right? Nobody's promoting T model's music, right? Right. And in, in in another fifty years or so, I don't know how long it takes. You know, maybe somebody will uncover mine and your old dusty ass CDs, right? 
and go, what's this P Model Ford stuff? We thought that was a car. Right, well, it was. <laughs> well, it was a car, and then they named this fella here after it. But then you got to start doing the math, and hell, P Model didn't even know for sure, I don't think, exactly when he was born, right? And then you got to figure out, well, was he Could older? Could you imagine? Was he older than the, the day named the car after him? Or did they name How did him it work? after the car? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? You know, I, I have this, we have, took this great picture one day, uh, the day T-Model died. Um, me and Paul and Leno and Jeff Stewart and Ken Fleming, I think, was with us. There was a group of us. We went and got a bottle of Jack Daniels and we rode around, made another bad decision and got out in the middle of nowhere somewhere and there's a building falling down and we finished that bottle of Jack Daniels between us and set that empty bottle on that old broke down house and took the greatest picture of a bottle of Jack Daniels that I personally think's ever been taken. There you go. But uh that was uh I don't know who posted the picture. Hell I don't remember who took it. But um that was our kind of goodbye to to T model and the social media that was that that new creature out there that everybody mm-hmm. was chasing after you know and um wow and and shit man I, I couldn't uh, Mississippi is this place that you know I've heard it described a million ways right I mean but I think uh, I think the most important thing to take away from Mississippi, whether you come and stay for three days or three months or thirty years, mm-hmm. I don't know, is that you kind of get out of Mississippi what you put into it. Yeah, that that really is. You know, I mean, um, truly is. There's very genuine, honest people, hardworking folks here. You know, and then like anywhere else in the world, you got a, a mixture of people who aren't. I mean, I'd stretch that to wherever you are. Is you gonna give? You gonna give what you? Uh, what you'll 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 get back what you give, or however you want to put it. You get what you give. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, I always hate that when uh, you know someone moves to a new place and they get real kind of depressed about it and be like, I just can't can't find my people here. And it's like, what do you do? Well, I'm sitting at the apartment, sitting at the house. Well, you got to go find them, buddy. Yeah, yeah. Or, you, or I, I can't, I can't find my scene. I can't find the place. It's like you got, you got to go. You, you know, um, the the Mississippi Blues Trail is an incredible thing. That is, um, and and I, I I point people to it a lot. You know, because I mean, you. Can How did all- you become like the curator? Like, I mean, I call you one too because I mean, we've been listening to this cat all night, and you, <laughs> you still ain't found the the right song it's, that I led you find down the right one. Man. It led you yeah, down yeah, the rabbit hole, yeah, but yeah, um, I'm so embarrassed. But how did how did you become like just? Has music always been like a big part of your life? Oh, I mean, how did that huge, come for you? Huge thing. Um, my dad was. Uh, music lover and and he was playing music when i was a kid that was truly blues music i mean we were listening to the blues i didn't remember the blues i remembered the rock and roll what i thought was rock and roll and so like you know i guess subliminally 
if you will. At night, I can remember when I would stay with my dad, he would put these headphones on, and he would put on a stack of vinyl on this thing, and this thing would just play vinyl all night, or what I thought was all night. And I can remember the things that stick out to me. Um, some Rolling Stone stuff, a lot of Aerosmith. Um, you know, he was dropping a lot of Stevie Ray Vaughan on me, mm-hmm. and um, Texas blues, and that, and he lived in Texas, you know, towards the end of his life, and and um, and he that was a big influence on him, I think, and I think he probably went down the same kind of rabbit hole that I've been down for the last decade or more. Speaking of just like Stevie Ray, just a second, the guy that really taught me. Uh, how to play guitar. Mm-hmm. If you close your eyes, he could emulate SRV. Dennis McKay. Really? Mm-hmm. Out of Columbus. He's that, originally from Vernon, Alabama, but Dennis, a, Mc, Dennis McKay is an awful a, lot. He's a player, buddy. And, but that's what he told me. And uh, when I first started playing, I was getting so caught up in my pick hand. He said, it ain't about what your pick hand does, bub. It's these fingers. You gotta, if you mm-hmm. ain't good on the frets, it don't matter. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, that that really, you know how like when you look back on your life and some of the the people that you looked up to, mentors or whatever they were to you, and like they say something and it just clicks, it, it just yeah, and it changes everything. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I've I've had lots of those. I call them magic moments. Yeah, right. Like damn, yeah. I was this we, dumb for this long. Yeah, like <laughs> how did I not know that? Um, yeah, I've been, I've been, I've been blessed with several of those. Um, I guess, uh, I guess one of the most memorable ones for me was, was probably sadly work related, but, um, coworker looked at me and he said, uh, he said, Dave, do, do you not understand what we're doing? I said, yeah, man, we're, we're, we're in the car business. We're, we're selling cars. He said, no, man. We're changing people's lives. Mm. I said, what are you talking about? He said, think about that feeling that people get when they get a new car or a new-to-them kind of car. And so I've been doing this since the 90s. Doesn't matter how long, but every time there's a customer, I think to myself, what if this is the first, right? What if, what if this is their first new car? I want it to be as exciting for them as it, as it should be. And there's a lot of BS that goes on behind the scenes and you know, you overheard a conversation earlier about, you know, getting people approved and getting things handled and, and taking care of people doing stuff. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, when when they drive away in that new vehicle or that new to them vehicle, right, do they feel better about themselves? I mean, does it, does it, because it does change you a little. A hundred percent. I mean, and, um, 
I am. I, how about this? It's it's such a big deal. I tell you how like how big of a deal it is to me, like a a vehicle or like your own personal car, whatever, however you want to put it. Uh, to me, um, more than music, and that's why I like that Porch Talk travels. Mm-hmm. Uh, the American car is the American dream because it's the freedom of the wide open road and you can do whatever you want. To me, well, no. I, it's, I it's, think, it, that's, I think, that is the expression of it. I, I think that when you when you get into that, then you have to go immediately to Sam Phillips, right? I mean, you just like, no matter what we were talking about, we have to talk about Sam Phillips now because clearly Sam was the guy that recorded Elvis, right? And and um, when when. It got to a point where Sam thought this is getting off point, right? Sam had these huge investments in what became Holiday Inn. And I don't know how many people. I mean, it's. Just, I think it's a pretty common thing that people know, but maybe it's not. But you can Google it, Wikipedia, do whatever you do, look it up, but... He invested in what what's Holiday Inn, and so when America was growing and the interstate system came mm-hmm. along, well, people had roads and ways to get places, but they needed a place to stay. Mm-hmm. What a brilliant investment at the right time that in was our country! Perfect, dude. You know, I mean, so so it, I hope I hope I'm right when I say this, but. I'd, his son Knox is the same birthday as me. Okay. And uh, long story, uh, Memphis one night waiting on a carriage of all things to take us back to a hotel, and these people are there and they're waiting too. And well, let's just split it. We start a conversation, and what do you do? And this is blah blah blah, and this is my wife, and this is my wife, and it's my birthday. Oh, really? Well, it's my birthday too. What's your name again? Mm-hmm. Well, what do you what what do you do? And he, well, we got a little, you know, recording studio here. Really? Which one? Uh, son. <laughs> well, well, son. It's like like just hit me in the head with a brick, right? Yeah. You know, I'm riding yeah, in a carriage yeah. with not this a real, guy. Not, not a real big deal at all. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> and, uh, I probably one of the at that point in my life, like. If you'd polled a hundred people, maybe five of them would know who we were talking about back then. Mm -hmm. But the fact that I was sitting in that carriage with that day just blew me away. And I I tell him, I said, uh, um, I have a friend that wrote a paper about you, your, your dad. And he's like, really? And uh, I said, yeah, I said, it's a long story. I said, it's, it's all about the Holiday Inn thing. Right? Yeah. Anyway, so fast forward a couple of years, car business, sales event, big thing, sponsors something with a radio station. Radio station gives you back some tickets to something. You sponsor their thing, right? Long story short, um, they're inducting Sam into the Alabama was it the Alabama Music Hall of Fame or the Alabama? I think it was the Alabama Music Hall of Fame. And they came back to Decatur, Alabama, mm-hmm. where I grew up just outside of town. And 
and they were there to celebrate his first radio station. He wanted to celebrate it where he got into the music business. And his very first job was at an AM radio station in Decatur, Alabama called WDSL, if I remember correctly. And his family, they owned the radio station, which was like in Florence at the time. But they were kind of expanding, I think, or maybe they just bought a studio or putting a studio in right there in our town. And they did that whole grand opening of that studio in conjunction with this with this um, uh, induction into the Hall of Fame thing. And so we get invited to this event. We go and we stand in the line and do all the things, you know. And we get up there and uh, I take my buddy with me that wrote the paper about Sam. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's all excited. Hell, I'm excited, you know. And uh, get up there and Knox, the son, is standing behind him. And he walks down to there and he says, you're Matt. And I said, you're Knox. And he said, yeah. He said, uh, what are y'all doing? I said, well, you know, we we run this car dealership. And we sponsored part of this and whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, 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 come on. And invites us back behind there and like stops the line. You know, the whole, the red velvet rope oh, kind of yeah. deal, you know. Big deal, yeah. And, and I was kind of astonished by it, but we get up there. And, and at that point, apparently, they didn't like for Sam to drink very much. And um, we were drinking, and Knox introduces us and uh, tells us, he tells Sam, you know, that he and I share a birthday, and this is my friend. And this guy has written this paper about him, and he's, he's enamored by him. Mm-hmm. So this is who we are. And Sam, well, before we take any pictures, you know, let's have a drink. <laughs> and that turned into this drink that turned into this conversation that still had the line stopped. And, like, people were getting impatient. Kind, oh, of, kind of shit, yeah. And um, anyway, we wound up out of there. It seems like we we hung out later and and got to hang out with Knox, but they pretty well put Sam down for the night. Oh boy! Yeah, yeah, he was uh, he was a lot to handle at that point. And I, I'm not, I don't mean to speak ill of the man. He's no longer with us, but he'd done his share of partying. I can tell you that <laughs> he had he had lived every day of his life. Right. And, and God, I hope he didn't regret a single one of them. <laughs> What a, what a what a amazing experience, you know. And and then all these years later, I wound up in Mississippi, and all these people that I grew up listening to, mm-hmm. who was the influence, right? And it was dad, and and so all that music I've been listening to it in my sleep, my whole life. I get over here and I'm go. Now you're breathing it. What? <laughs> you mean Otis Rush is from this town, like? Not exactly this town, but the same right here. Yeah, missed it by one year. The year before I moved to Mississippi, they put the Blues Trail marker up in Philadelphia, and Otis was there. And oh man! So I missed it by a year. But all my friends got their picture made and did all the stuff, you know. That you know, 
that you do when they, I mean, when they put up a blue strobe marker, I mean, now when they have a person still to celebrate, that's a huge thing, you know, I mean, because how much of it's really left? That's the point. And I, I mean, that's why I was really thankful that, uh, you know, like folks like Jimmy and I've got to go up to Clarksdale to that watermelon slim and some other cats and I mean uh, I mean hell since you and I started hanging out you took me up to that little place just outside of Oxford oh and, yeah the Foxfire yeah and you introduced me to Trenton and I mean I mean there's history there you know he's living and breathing it oh dude yeah I mean you know Trenton. I mean like between you introducing me to just good music while we're while we're just hanging out or and just taking and showing me places and that's another thing man like i i always try to take you up on those things because like and i try to do that for other people too it's like dude if if you'll take me up on this this is gonna be really cool hey you know you know i'm a firm believer that anything involving music that you can give away that you can give somebody this memory, mm-hmm. right? You know, this, here, hey, Alan, listen to this song. You remember that time we went and did so-and-so? Mm-hmm. Stay if this song, don't tell that story, mm-hmm. right? And so whether you agree or disagree, forever engraved in the back of your mind back there, every time you mm-hmm. hear that song, you'll go, God damn, Matt. That's right. That's exactly how <sighs> That song ain't exactly what happened that night. It's pretty damn close. Yeah. Right, but That's it ain't... It. <laughs> As it moves on, yeah. But but yeah, I mean, that's uh, that's that's the Lester in there. I gave Lester that down. What's it? Uh, Tyler Cobb song. Uh, is it Tyler Cobb or Brent Cobb? Brent Cobb. Brent Cobb. Keep them on their toes. Oh yeah. So I heard that song and I'm like in my mind I pictured him and I was like, holy shit, that is his theme song. Yeah. That, that's him. It truly is. Right. Yeah. And um, um before that. He would uh, he he would tell these funny stories now. Whether he's just being, con- I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> he would play this fucking BG song every morning. Oh gosh! Right. <laughs> I'm be telling too many tales outside of school. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no. Anyway, I was like, he needs a new song. No, no, no disrespect to the BGs because I like the BGs as much as anybody. But yeah, if you gonna have a walkout song, it's time to update. Yeah, if you gonna have a walkout song. And you're a middle-aged man living in 2022, 2020, about to be 2023. Your walkout song should not be a BG song. Just, there's too many other good songs out there. That's fair. That, that, I'll just leave that right there. <laughs> we, we won't broach that any further. You want to take a little break? Same old assembly line 
You were telling me about this guy who had quite a few stories. Oh, man. So, this guy was a friend of my dad's. And, um, like, like you could write a book about this guy, right? Like, he's, he's this incredible character. Um, big, hulking man. You know, probably 
probably six five, you know, hell of a good good sized guy and had the fucking shit. Had the biggest beer gut I'd ever seen on a man. <laughs> and was like slim and lean everywhere. Except but for had that this gut. Massive. Like and he would he his whole family, man, they were they they um they were farmers, mm-hmm. right? They could grow anything. Man, he grew the best tomatoes, the best watermelons, the best can. And it was like a contest, like a competition between him and his siblings, right? And um, anyway, he uh, he and my dad they played like adult um, baseball together, and um, they played baseball together. They did. Uh, chased women together they ran in bars together they worked together Mm -hmm. um up north in michigan and um they were just like the best of friends they didn't know each other from alabama but they were from these two towns that were so close like like 20 miles from each other but they never knew each other um anyway there's 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 a gazillion stories but but there's two that stick out in my mind um one um they had been uh they had been to some fancy dinner right the two of them and they had two two women with them and i don't know that they've ever fully disclosed exactly who the two women were either of them telling this story but they had this bar that was their local hangout. It was called the Idle Hour Tavern. And um, it's in this town called Ypsilanti, right? And uh, anyway, so wherever they went for this fancy dinner, they're all dressed up, right? And and my my dad had this fur coat. And, and when I say fur coat, like I mean like a men's coat that you would wear in the late 60s, early 70s, that was really well built and really expensive. I Probably am, the most expensive thing. I'm blanking had. on his name, but he's in a lot of uh, pharmaceutical commercials. He was a quarterback for Alabama. Oh. Like, where did we start? Bart Starr, Kenny Stabler. Kenny Stabler with his fur coats. Yeah. yeah. Is, that, is that the. Kind of the same vibe. Okay. Anyway. The two of them, they, they, uh, and I didn't mean to get off on the coat. That's a whole other thing with this whole story. But anyway, they get in this squabble over this chick, right? And mm-hmm. they wind up like it's fixing to come to blows. And the rule in the bar is you fight, you go out front, right? And yeah. so they come busting out the damn door together and just start whooping the shit out of each other, right? I mean, like right on the sidewalk, right off of, uh, uh, I, I guess that's, is that E-Course? Is the name of that road? Um, anyway, it's it's like a block or two off of Michigan Ave, right? Anyway, um, and they have just like come within an inch of like knocking the other one out, both of them, right? And they like, um, neither one of them can like throw the final blow, mm-hmm. right? And, uh, they wind up laying on the ground. Breathing. Breathing heavy, going, ah, damn, we're out here fighting about this damn gal, right? I mean, this is the kind of friends these two guys were. Yeah. 
um, they had a they had a um, hunting trip that they did uh, every year, and there was usually a group of them, and there was these little cabins uh, somewhere up in Canada. They'd like fly into this place and a couple of lakes, and um, in the mornings they would uh, they would get up and hunt like for fucking elk or some shit right mm-hmm. and um if they didn't kill anything well that's okay because they could ice fish out at this place right so some of them would be fishing you know if they didn't want to like go and hunt they could fish mm-hmm. you know or or vice versa whatever anyway they would go every year and they'd go like between christmas and new year's and uh this year this particular year they go and it's just the two of them like everybody else is bailed out like at the last minute boom and uh, they go well hell we only have to heat up one cabin mm-hmm. right now here's two grown men me and you mm-hmm. and we're gonna go to this private place in the woods together me and you yeah and there's like four or five cabins right so instead of you get in the cabin and me get in the cabin. These two brilliant fuckers. Get a cabin they together. Get a cabin together. It's got one bed. Uh, it's got, seriously, uh, like it's got a pot belly stove. That's how you eat uh, it. That's how you cook. That's how you do That's your, your first shit. mistake. Right. And so, so they, they, they go up there and they normally would stay longer, but they like cut the, cut the trip short that year because, well, everybody else bailed out because... They were going to some New Year's Eve party, mm. right? And um, so they have to like call on a radio. Like, there's not a phone. You call on the radio, like shortwave radio or some shit. I guess I don't know how they did it, right? But um, you call and the pilot comes and gets you, right? You got to tell them like a day in advance. Oh, this or... is getting progressively worse, isn't it? No, listen. Okay. <laughs> So the two of them collectively figure out how to get their asses back so they can go to this New Year's Eve party. Oh. Right? So whoever the rest of the guys were, and I know some of the names, and it don't matter. One guy's name is Bluebird. That's a long story. (laughs) Anyway, they figure they're getting ditched because these guys are trying to hook up with their their women. Okay. Okay. And they have sent them off to the cabin in the woods, and these guys are back home, you know, Taking trying to hook up with their, with their chicks, right? Yeah. And so they think they're going to outsmart them. So they get their way back. You know, they make their way back just in time for the party. And they just go in like they're supposed to be there. Well, nobody's expecting them because everybody thinks that they're gone. And the party's going pretty good apparently by the time they get there mm. and they walk in and it's in like a basement of somebody's house that's seriously set up like a bar right like full blown bar and um disco lights you know it's the 70s oh yeah okay. I can I can just imagine it you know um and uh they're standing at this bar and they're they're drinking their beer and Larry looks over at my dad and he says, uh, I got a hundred bucks says you won't strike this party. <laughs> he says, put up or shut up. 
Right. And so there's a bunch of them standing around there, you know. And, and uh, Larry, he reaches in, gets his $100 bill and lays it up there, you know. Bill, he reaches in there and gets his 100 and he lays it up there and he says, I'll be right back. He goes in the bathroom, strips off his clothes, folds them up real nice, you know, everything but his sneakers. And he walks up there and sets his clothes on the bar and he makes his way around this party, you know. I don't know, he may have went outside. I don't know, right? I mean, he's that kind of guy. Yeah. And uh, it's my stepdad. And uh, he comes back and picks his clothes up, you know, scoops up the money and takes a drink of his beer goes and puts his clothes back on he comes back out <laughs> they're giving him the shit right you know oh you dumb son bitch you know you damn hillbilly they called him uh they called him willie um but uh he um they're giving him the shit about streaking the party and he says i don't know what the hell y'all making fun of me for says, well you dumb ass you just strike the party he said no he said, hell, I just spent three days in the woods in a cabin with his ass. He gets all the way back down here and pays $100, say my ass one more time. <laughs> Turned it right around. Said that song, right, where he says, he, uh, turn the praise around on you. Yeah. Right. Put it right back on you. Yeah, he had right this, back in your lap. had this uncanny way of doing it, you know. It was just this real unique skill. And no matter what situation you found him in, he was... You was telling me something that he did, and uh, you recently uh, got it back, that he would, he was a photographer. Oh, yeah. Well, sadly, we're talking about two different men. We're talking about my father and my stepfather. Oh, okay. But my... Yes. I'm, I got to get one of these. I could have gotten it for you, though. I don't like these. Did you have one? The blue? The orange. I haven't had one of those yet. What is that? I'll try that next. Yeah, it's good. Will do. So, anyway, there's the Larry Luker story. Um, Oh, there was a Hardy's Biscuit before we go any further. Oh, yeah, yeah. Does that have to be towed? Well, the Hardy Biscuit story is really kind of sad, but but uh, in a nutshell, he he wound up in a nursing home. Larry did. Oh, that's not good and, at all. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was bad in the end. But he was, uh, he just couldn't take care of himself, you know. So he needed some, some help at that point. But, man, he didn't like to eat at the nursing home at all. And so... He 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 kind of got disgruntled because his thing was in the mornings he liked to well he liked to go to Hardy's and get him a damn sausage and biscuit and a cup of coffee that's like he'd been doing that for I don't know the last twenty years of his life and I, you know he and my dad were so close but I I remember um. My dad said, well, you ought to get up in the morning and take him a biscuit. And so I get my ass up at 5 o'clock or 5.30 or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, I drive, and I'm, like, at the drive-thru window when they open at 6 or whatever time. 
kind of cup of coffee. Go to the nursing home. Well, you you had to call and tell them that you were coming because you, that like that you couldn't get in. And so I had to call and tell them, and and they said, "Boy, if you think you, it'll get him up and moving, yeah, we'll meet you at the door. You want him there too?" And uh, I said, "Yeah, why not?" And uh, anyway, I get there and I pull up. Here's his biscuit and his cup of coffee. And, he says, where's yours? I said, well, I, I, I just wanted to make sure you got yours, you know? He said, well, come in here and sit down. And uh, we sat there and he drank his coffee and ate his biscuit. So that became my routine. The year <clears throat> I just graduated from high school, that's how I spent that summer. The whole summer, every day. I would uh, get up every morning Go get a biscuit. Go get a biscuit and go. Did you ever get yourself one? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It became a regular. I mean, it was it was every day. Yeah. And I would stay. I think I'd go to work around 10. And um, if I remember correct, yeah, I would work. Work for dad and then I would go work another job at night. And I was I was saving my actually um, was working at Goodyear, worked where where my mom worked, um, and so it was a, a crazy schedule, um, and I made it all the way through my first first quarter of school. I'd go back every weekend, hmm. and I was starting to like go every other weekend, and. He started not doing well. And um seems like we got out like right at Thanksgiving. And um or maybe we got out for Thanksgiving, you went back and you had finals and then it was like that was the end, you know. And um my mom called and she said, uh, if you wanna see Larry you need to you need to come. Mm-hmm. I was like, you know, I got whatever, for whatever reason, I had something left to do. Talk, <laughs> talk to the instructor, professor, whatever. And, um. I will leave that on there. That's funny. And, and uh. Very somber moment. Yeah, wow. <laughs> Crazy him over. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, anyway. Oh. <laughs> Went and he did. Yeah, he he went pretty quick. Pretty wild deal. What's up, dude? What about today? Uh, just uh, with the photography project, I wanted to talk about that. The photography uh, project that your dad did. And then just as far as, like, your ideal, as far as, like, oh, yeah. being able to preserve, like, plug-in good music. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, that's what we, uh, you know, I, I, I saw it from that point of view where what my dad did was really cool. 
he loved to take pictures and he traveled a lot because he was driving a damn truck, you know? Uh-huh. And uh, so he would take these pictures and he'd document where he took them. And then when he got home, he'd develop his own, you know, photographs and do, do it all himself. And then on the back of them, he would uh, run them through his little Smith Corona typewriter and he would type, you know, where it was, when it was, what the temperature was, where, it, you know, all the details. And then he'd sign every one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, he'd like type in there, you know, love dad or something. And then he'd sign, some of them he'd sign his first name, some of them he'd sign dad, whatever. But, but uh, yeah, really cool thing to have, to have, you know, and be able to look at. Um, and I thought, what could I, you know, pictures are so easy for kids. You know, I mean, take a picture of anything and have it with you forever if you want, uh-huh. right? You know, so why not give him or or them, both of them, um, a little music, you know? Hey, here's this, here's this terabyte of data yeah. Right. And I've included the songs for you. Right. So listen to this and then play that. Mm-hmm. Right. That's, I, I was going to share it to you too. I haven't, uh, they're unlisted on YouTube. And it's crazy you brought that up because it was so like crazy that I was kind of doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. And so like when I was living in Starkville, I spent a lot of days, uh, down south, uh, down Octave, and going to the refuge and riding those dirt roads. I took a lot of cool pictures. Mm-hmm. And um, I've been recording some new songs that I've been writing, and I've been using those photos as a still image. And, like, that place is... Going to that place in your mind? And and that place is mentioned in those songs, like, oh, some, that's some killer, kind dude. of way. Yeah. That's killer. And so, or sometimes it's just like a, a real crazy picture of a moon you know like i was out in the pines uh after dark at the refuge and it was like this cool shot of the moon with all those like prickly limbs mm-hmm. and it made it look like all the limbs were grabbing after it oh yeah yeah that's, yeah. yeah that's a cool so I, i've been working on like a, a cool little project yeah so you know um um the, the moon man that's a great thing to take pictures of uh eli and i went and did the eclipse Oh yeah, know? and we we went up to uh, Metropolis, Illinois, and uh, is it Illinois? Yeah, hell, I can't even remember where the hell we were at. Anyway, um, you had to go to the center of totality, and that was where it was at. Was Metropolis that for that thing, that that eclipse? Anyway, um, we took all kind of stuff to try and take pictures, and we bought all kind of eye stuff and masks and you got up there and the, literally the park rangers we went into the state park they're handing you these glasses they're like the 3D glasses that we got when we were kids it's kind of what they reminded you of but whatever the little lenses to look through were safe it was supposedly safe to look mm-hmm. we tried everywhere in the world to take pictures we had these welding masks and Eli got his uh, phone in there and he took this awesome picture, you know. Um, like, man, I thought, how did he do that? I mean, that, it's a magnificent picture because it's like, it's like dead totality. Under where the lens. It's that perfect ring, 
mm-hmm. all the way around. Did he send it in like National Geographic? <sighs> or anything? I, I, I have I have a copy of it. Hell, I think I gave Farouk a copy of it. Oh, but shit. yeah, it's yeah, it's a great man. picture. I mean, just a fantastic picture. Dang man. So, the photography thing. Yeah. He he understands a good picture, right? Uh-huh. And I'm probably not a great photographer, right? But I can tell him some shit, you know? Yeah. Might not be what he wants to hear at the right time, but, you know, at some point they'll click on it and go, well, that's, what the hell is this crazy case? What, what the see. hell was this about? Yeah. You know? Hell, I hope they find it soon enough, you know? And and that's the funny part is that, that and that's what I told her is, do you keep it? I mean, like, what what if something happens? Yeah. Is it ever done? It's never. It's, I think like you, you know, whatever the SD card or whatever you decide, whatever media you decide to store it on, like, I would. Even though you get a better deal with a bigger memory and buying bigger, mm-hmm. I think I would like buy half of what you thought, mm-hmm. and then do it that way. That way, you you stack up a collection. Mm. Yeah, and that way, cause like it, it's ever changing. Cause like, some, I mean, what if something was left unfinished, right? Yeah, yeah. And at least you could get more. You could get more done. You know. Yeah, yeah. That's true. That's a good idea. And so I got to figure that out. I got to learn how to do that. Yeah. Because I don't know how. Mm-hmm. And and um, I know that I don't know how. Hey, we're working toward it now. We're going to get there. Yeah. You're talking to the right fella. Well, and I looked at the uh, the stuff you sent, and I, I, forwarded, I forwarded some of it on to the, to the wife already. Those are the, it's a, and it's a big price point, but those are the two that I would trust. Only because I've, I've personally listened to some of the recordings that's come on off. Off of them? Yeah, and I, I they're really good. Uh, and I would. No, I trust your opinion on that for sure. Yeah. Because, and, and the, and the price not... point is astronomical. You're talking almost a three, four hundred dollar difference. And yeah. you're like, is that Sony really worth that? Just listen to Alabama Astronaut, the podcast. That's oh. most of that podcast was recorded. All the field recordings that you hear, mm-hmm. that was. It feels like you're there. It feels like you're sitting right next to them. You know wow. what I mean? Yeah, that's intense. I mean, because I, I mean, I understand the dynamic quality, yeah. and of, that's what I like of, about of, these mics, and that's why I do a conditioner when I travel. Like if we were to sit out on the porch and we had the ambiance of the highway that mm-hmm. would be the feeling of the episode it's like we were sitting close to an interstate you know or like even with yeah. us I, i've got a creaky chair you know oh, or yeah, like i'm reaching into the cooler or you know you got to get in the fridge to grab something or you know just like it kind of it fills the room to it makes it to where you kind of feel like you're in the third sitting, chair yeah yeah sitting right there yeah yeah no i get it and I think if you can, it, and you do a good job at it, it's probably as good as anybody I've, I don't think I've ever heard anybody as good at it, is is that, just that one thing, is that it's almost like 
you're sitting in the room listening to these conversations. Mm-hmm. Like I can see you when mm-hmm. I listen to the podcast. You know, I mean, I, I don't, and, it, and it's always funny for me because like I hear you talking mm-hmm. and then when I listen to the podcast, I hear you. I mean, you sound the same. Yeah. But like when you play this back, what I hear that be totally different is not what you it's not the same it's not even close for me yeah and I don't I don't understand like it it's so different for me audibly I I hear I hear it completely different than the way I hear it yeah right it just don't make sense it's pretty wild. Yeah. And and I hear people like talk about it and I'm like that is not you know, it's not I don't I don't hear I just don't hear what they hear. Yeah. I don't know. Well dude, I wanna do this. Uh I wanna bring you back on again. Uh three questions to walk it out. Hit me. Uh number one. What is your uh like, tell me a crazy story about the blues, whether it's from uh, Foxfire, uh, Blue Front, or Clarksdale. Tell me a crazy blues story. Um, Juke Joint Chapel at the Shack Up Inn. Um, I think it was wintertime. It was cold, and it was raining. And uh, we were actually staying at the, um, oh, it belongs to Hobson. Anyway, they call it the coop or something. There's a porch. My wife had been drinking. Uh, my wife had been drinking apple crown and strawberry lemonade, and we'd been eating fried chicken legs Ooh. from Kentucky Fried Chicken. Like we went and got a bucket of chicken legs, Ooh. original recipe. That's what she wanted to eat. And uh, my sidekick Jimmy Joe was with us. And he was drinking um, whiskey and water, I'm sure, and uh, eating Kool-Aid pickles. That's all he ate all weekend. He didn't eat any fried chicken. But um, if you're ever in the Mississippi Delta with my wife and anybody is drinking whiskey in your crowd and they attempt to eat fried chicken, just be forewarned. Somebody's going to break a leg. It's going to happen. Those That combination of events, when that happens, somebody's leg's getting broken. Oh, boy. It's the curse. It's the curse of the blues, of the delta, of the whatever I sold my soul to, whenever. There's your blues story. All right. Yeah. And that's a good one. Find that... Write that that's, song. That's a that's a crossroads story right there. <laughs> hey, something about a, a chicken bucket. Yeah, fried chicken whiskey and, and uh, fried chicken and, whiskey and, and blues. Uh, it, it just All right. mix. Question two: uh, If you could recommend three musicians right now, or songwriters or bands, like who would you say? Right now, current, fresh. Um, how about this? As organic as this was, the guy that I found, mm-hmm. 
right? Like I think how we started. Yeah, the intro for the show. Yeah, everybody should find that guy. You know, Chris Canterbury. Um, impressive catalog. I'm not sure how he hasn't been on my radar or yours. I'm I'm actually Uh, more shocked that he hasn't been on yours than mine. uh, I think I'm going to be reaching out, seeing if I can. Dude's impressive. Get him. Um. So so there's one. Um, Blues. Man, if I was going to send anybody down any kind of warpath, like, you know, Tab is mainstream. My friend Lightning Malcolm is, is on yeah, Tab's label now. And um, I would want to send you down his path. If I was going to say, here's something that if you're not listening to, you probably should be, it would be Lightning Malcolm. Um, also, one of... The, a former bandmate of uh, Cedric Burnside and uh, Mississippi All-Stars. And, um, uh, you, you know, just an incredible guy. And if you don't know who he is, you need to find out. Yeah, and That's two. And um, three. <sighs> Shit. Um, Hell, you know, you got to plug the the local folks we were talking about. Uh, if you're not listening to that kid, Michael Hardy, you should be. There you go. Yeah, I mean, I, no, he doesn't need my plug, or nor does he need yours. Right. Right. I he's mean, gonna he's going to be just fine. He's going to be just fine. Um, I hope, and I hope, I, and I wish him the very best. Uh, but um, yeah, if you're not listening to him, you should be. Last question: I'm walking out of the door. What was your favorite part of this interview? The my favorite part of the whole interview, um, I'd probably have to say the point that comes right after this. I'm about to make you a cup of coffee. Right on. You are welcome. <laughs> Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.